We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jake Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we go. go. Hello, Jane. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How are we all this week? Oh, it has been a big week. It's been a big weekend. It's been emotionally exhausting. I'll keep it quite short, but on Friday, a friend of ours passed away, um, which is very, very sad. And I didn't realize how much that actually took a toll on me emotionally. Um, the whole community felt the same. So we're just kind of going through the motions of that. Uh, At the same time, my husband wasn't home and my dog decided to slice her leg open. So I had to go to the vet and spend way too much money getting her under anesthetic stitched up. Mm. Then over the course of the weekend, and I've been really healthy lately, I decided to just drink myself into oblivion because, you know, the emotions were too much and got alcohol poisoning on Sunday and I literally just couldn't stop vomiting and felt guilty, horrible and atrocious. So it's safe to say that it's been quite a big weekend but um, I want to take this time to actually sit with my emotions and not shut them down because I find that whenever I do that, that leads into a very anxious state. So I'm crying when I need to cry and I'm having outbursts when I need them and yeah, just taking one day at a time. So yeah, that's, that's me for the past week. How are you? Yeah, definitely a lot better than that. But, yeah, my heart goes out to kind of the whole Byron community who knew and loved Simone. Um, Those who have been listening for a while might remember a while ago Jade promoted a fundraiser that the community was doing for Simone. So, yeah, it breaks my heart that this time has come. But, yeah, feel those feelings and don't guilt yourself too much over the Alcohol. alcohol poisoning, but maybe don't do it again no. as well. But I'm actually really good. I had a weekend away with just my eldest daughter, Poffy, and one of my best friends and her best friend is her, who is her daughter. And it was just so nice to spend one-on-one time with her. I think that especially because the girls are close in age, I kind of lump them together as a package deal a little bit. And it's not not until you spend time with one of them by this themselves that you realize just how different they are and just how 
individual their quirks are. And it just showed me how grown up she is now. Like she's nearly five and (laughs) it was like being away with a little mate. Like it was so good. And so, look, I know it's a busy time of the year now. I wanted to get it in before we had the new baby. So if you can at some stage next year or something, just even if it's just going camping with one of your kids or like if you can just find time, I I really want to once the newborn period has settled and stuff, do the same thing with Goldie. But it was just so nice to spend that one-on-one time with her, rediscover her interests and her quirks and her observations and it was just really really cool and I think we can get kind of caught up in the parenting thing and the whole like I'm the parent you're the kid you're my kids you come together as a package deal but they're so individual and it was just really really cool that's so nice yeah on the topic of kids and this time of year can I just tell everyone how much I fucking hate elf on the shelf (laughs) so you're doing it this year aren't you yeah because it was not because I wanted to it was because Billy like had this belief that we didn't do it right last year and it actually (laughs) works and I'm like okay wait so what did you do last year well nothing I just she's like you we touched it too many times so you're not supposed to touch it and then it will actually move around in different places you can leave notes for it the stress those fuckers have put on parents (laughs) on top of what we already have to do I wake up hyperventilating in the middle of the night because I haven't moved the fucking elf like and it's got to come up with like creative positions oh mate so when I had my we'll get people telling us we're a buzzkill like when we were saying that book week is so annoying people will be like oh it's the magic of Christmas you guys are such buzzkills there's enough magic there's so much magic. So when I had my alcohol poisoning event, I woke up in an absolute state going, oh, I didn't move the elf. Credit goes. Just pop the elf into your pool of vomit <laughs> no by the way. bed. Credit goes, don't worry, I've got it covered. The idiot got tape, like gaffer tape, and taped the elf onto the windows and put tape everywhere because Billy left a note going, it'd be really cool if you taped yourself up somewhere. I'm like, Greta, are you going to clean all this tape up? It was literally stuck on everything. And she's like, no, but how cool is that I remember to do it? Anyway, so that was that day. And then I just got really overwhelmed and just thought the stress of this whole thing is is just too much and they need to understand actually there is a movie on elf on the shelves and it does say in this little thing on netflix oh how funny are humans like they think if we don't move every night that we're not going out and doing something so i was like go i'm gonna get billy to watch this so she understands so anyway rudolph fabulous is an elf I think it's absolutely (laughs) rude as hell, but you can let us know. And also just send in some like hacks of what you guys are doing because I need some motivation. I'm I'm really, really, you sound super motivated about it. Last night, the elf, I put it in a um, pencil holder with a little note saying, hi, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel there. Look, this year is the first time Poppy has even mentioned that she knows what elf on the shelf is. So I think this is my last Christmas without it. So I will be joining you next Christmas and we can all just have an absolute (laughs) whinge about how annoying it is. Now we are going to get straight into this episode. This is, I think, one of our most chaotic episodes we've ever had. Can't 
even really tell you what it's about. No. It's about it's about Sachi's life, right? And this was I have never laughed so hard <laughs> during an episode and listening back. We couldn't cut this episode <laughs> if we tried because there is just so much greatness and shock that you have to listen to. I think it's like eighty minutes, <laughs> but it is. It's worth the. And listen. she's such a good storyteller. Oh I just love it. I don't even care if the entire <laughs> thing's made up. Like she could be an only child from CBD Melbourne for all we know, but this was so good. We loved it. We hope you enjoy. It's something a little bit different. Hello, Sachi. Welcome to the Potty Pod. We are stoked to have you here. We have asked you in today because actually one of your friends, La, is our kind of editor, assistant. She helps us out a bit. And she was telling us a little bit about your story and we just said, stop. (laughs) We want to get her on the pod. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Where to even begin? I'm an identical twin. I'm one of nine children. Grew up in the Byron Shire. I have had a very wild childhood. We kind of grew up around this area but lived in Vanuatu. We travelled in a van around Australia. We were kind of homeless for a while, just, you know, travelling and being gypsies. My mum's pretty wild having nine kids. I grew up in the Hare Krishna religion. Can you explain what that is? (laughs) Some people think it's a cult, but it's like a spin-off from the Hindu religion. My father, he was kind of one of the founders of the Iskon Temple out near Moolamba. It's just, a, it's a beautiful like community, I guess, following the god Krishna. But we left when I was five. So my older brother, he was in a flood and saved three people and was awarded the youngest bravery award from Queen Elizabeth. And a few days later, he was showing the news crews around and there was a power line down and yeah, he picked it up and was electrocuted and died. So we actually left the Hare Krishnas then, but still like have a lot to do with them. And <laughs> I'm just looking at your face. Oh my faces. gosh, that's horrible <laughs> to go from winning a bravery award to then death. Were they <laughs> filming him while that was happening? No, 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 sorry. I've, I think I've mixed the story up. <laughs> so he was on the news. There was a lot of media attention on our family. And because of that media attention, that's the reason that we left the Hare Krishnas. Right. But he had the media on him for, you know, saving those people. But then as well from that same flood, there was a power line down and he picked it up and was electrocuted. Oh. And yeah, so it was like even more media attention. The last words he said was Hare Krishna, which is like saying, oh God. And like he was on the cover of Women's Day and like he died for his God and it was just like wild media attention on our family and my father worked for Channel 7 as well so there was even more media around the family my mother was the first woman to breastfeed on national tv on the ray martin show <laughs> so wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah we left the harikushans then but my elder sister she's still a part of it so through her is kind of how this is like a full circle how i've met my partner who's the father of my child um through his family um which we'll get to that how <laughs> is he Hare krishna he was brought up Hare Krishna, yes. But him and I, like the two in our family that are sort of out on the outskirts of it. And, yeah, I've known him my whole life sort of, but never. It was only, you know, recently. that. So you're one of nine children. Yeah. So where do you lie in the nine? 
So my twin and I are six and seven, and we've got two younger brothers below us. And what was that like growing up with eight other siblings? It was wild. <laughs> oh, it was great. What's the age brackets? So that my eldest sister, she's, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say how old she is. <laughs> there's, 20, there's 20 years between. Yeah. So okay. she's nearly 50. And my little brother's, I guess he's nearly 30. So there's. Yeah. See, it sounds like a long time, but that is rapid. That is like nearly a baby every two years for 20 years. Yeah, we worked out one day that our mother was pregnant for nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she's wild. Hope wow. you're not listening, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> she will be. She will be. And so was it very free range in terms of growing up? Like I just imagine like you cannot helicopter nine children. You just have to put faith in the fact that – don't they they're, the they're yeah. doing somewhat the right thing. Yeah, look, it was why it was why there was no boundary. So I used to gravitate towards friends at school who had really strict parents mm. because I wanted boundaries. But um, you know, there's like we've got so many stories from childhood, but one of them was we used to travel around in a combi van and we had a Shetland pony and mum used to put it in the back of the car with us, an actual little horse, and people would be driving along the highway looking going, holy shit. I was going to say, how is there room for, well, I guess with your mum as well, yeah. 10 of you in a van and then you just drop that there was also a fucking Shetland <laughs> pony. We used to. I know, my mum was, it was, we had really fun times, lots of trauma times as well yeah, yeah. but you know like we had lots anything we wanted like if we wanted a dog or my brother was at one time raising like 200 mice and like selling them to the pet shop <laughs> okay I get what you mean by no boundaries yes. <laughs> I remember like we used to you know go on horses or go camping and we'd be away for two days we were all like 11 and we'd come back and we'd be like hey mom and she'd be like hi and we're like did you miss us and she'd be like oh, I knew in my heart that you were safe and we we're like did you though <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you really? <laughs> There's more of you. Yeah. Like, is that kind of what it was like? Like, yeah, exactly. She, <laughs> she, she, she was very lo- loving until we were, could talk back. You know, yeah. teenagers. She yeah. was. She was from a family that was very, I guess, like well to do, and so yeah. she grew up not knowing like where milk came from, and she was kind of the black sheep of the family, and so she kind of later on like discovered the Hare Krishnas, and that's when we kind of came along and yeah. And she kind of went the other way where she wanted you guys to know what was out there and not shelter you and that kind yeah. of thing. Did she feel like she'd been somewhat sheltered? Yeah. She, I mean, she grew up, she used to be teased a lot because she used to tell people she was a twin and everyone was like, you're a lie, you're not a twin. And so she seemed to be isolated a lot. And then it wasn't until, me and my twin were born that night in the hospital. Her mother, my nana, came and said, you're actually a twin. And she was like, what? Like her whole life she'd been teased that she, you know, was lying and saying she was a twin. But um, then when I have my baby, she was telling me that she was actually pronounced dead at birth. And they'll put Your in, mother was or her yeah, twin both, was? Both the babies were pronounced dead and they'll put in a box and then her father heard her moving in the box and was took her out of the box. And what about the other so one? The other one died. Oh, so, so the other one did die. Yeah, yeah. So she, my mum said she could always feel, you know, like that she was a twin but was told her whole life that she wasn't. So it was, you know, that 
kind of family that was very like secretive and not so nothing also, was so, her yeah. mum never thought to, like did she ever say to her mum I feel like I'm a twin or well yeah she used to be teased about it and because she just, was so certain that she yeah. felt there was this other like part of her and yeah. her mum never ever said yeah you no I guess it was like a source of shame yeah. maybe that you you know lost a baby I'm not sure. And I totally get there's grief there, obviously, for her mum as well, but it just seems extreme for your child to go through life being so certain they're a twin, getting teased for it and not thinking to mention, well, there's a reason you feel that way. Yeah, it's my nana was, she's very like Christian, mm. was, you know, we were all, we all had to be christened and we all have Christian names. My my name's Elizabeth and she just never really spoke about much. Like we found her diaries later and found out that, you know, she had an affair and my mother's the the product of that affair. And then, you know, once my grandfather, who I thought was my grandfather, once he passed away, my nana actually married the guy she had an affair no with. No way. How, at so they just stayed in touch that whole time? Yeah. yeah. At what age? I don't know the age. Because we were Hare Krishna, we kind of were kept yeah. away. We were like, again, the black sheep of the family would come to Christmases and we'd love it. But, like, we didn't know how to use a knife and fork. <laughs> we were wild. No. You know, like my grandparents on my other side, on my dad's side, they were very, like, social. My grandfather was one of the first um, pilots in Australia flying for ANSET and his wife was a flight attendant. And she was very, like, you know, Marilyn Monroe hair. She was very, like you know, these are my grandkids, but now get out, you two, you know, dirty little kids, get, get out of my house. My father was like put in boarding school and summer camp, so he never got to see his parents. And, and yeah, he discovered the Hare Krishnas when he was fairly young. When you said your past was wild, I'm sorry, I, don't, I think I'm <laughs> laughing because I'm literally in a state of yeah. shock. I feel so fucking boring. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, uh, my grandparents, they, um, <laughs> they're lovely people. <laughs> like, I don't even I know. know what to say. I gravitate towards people who have like beautiful, like simple lives. We'll get on well then. <laughs> yeah. I feel so vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm so, <laughs> sorry, I'm just picking my jaw off the ground. Like, so okay, in. so you guys were like the black sheep of the family. Yeah. So you left the Hare Krishna faith when you were about five. Yeah. yeah. And when was was there like a stark reality when you had to kind of start assimilating into, I guess, quote unquote, normal society? Like, no, you, sorry, we're gonna go back. I need to understand when okay. you say Hare Krishna, are you? I'm just having this vision, and look, this is me being naive. I don't know all religions, but yeah. is it where you're all in? Like heaps of different families are all in the same area and everyone's running around and you're all just living like on the land and then like everyone has a different skill type thing. So there's the the Hare Krishna farm, that's the Iskon Temple in out past Mulamba. So that's got a school in it. My eldest siblings were going to that Hare Krishna school. We were too little at the time. We actually lived a lot of families live on the Hare in the community. Yeah. We had a house just very close by, but yeah, not on the farm. I think actually before I was born, my family did live there and my sister's still a strong part of the Hare Krishna community. So when you stop believing or you stop? Kind of stop going to the temple, stop 
Yeah, I guess it's like, yeah, I guess worshipping, yeah. Yeah. We're still, you know, coming back to Mooloom, but I left when I was, as soon as I could. (laughs) It's so weird that I found myself back here. I've just bought a house in Mooloom and I'm seeing all these people from when I was a child and it's actually really nice to be like, oh, this is a community that I'm from and, you know, seeing people and, you know, being part of it again. Not so I don't go to the temple or anything, but I, you know, see those people and they're all beautiful. But, yeah, when we left, we we moved to Ocean Shores, and then we bought a, a property up in Hewan Brook, just behind Mullen, which burnt down when I was 11. That's a whole that's a whole story. Was it? Was there any of the nine of the kids? <laughs> Actually, my whole life, I was blamed for that. So it was the more the morning of we. It was a um, mud brick house, which you'd never think it would burn down, but it had yeah. like, lots of straw in the bricks, and that burnt. But um. We were going to work with my mum, my twin and I, and then we're going to a friend's birthday party. We're we're only 10. Okay. Mum asked me if the heater was turned off and I looked and it was off. And so, you know, we went to work and with her and she was a nurse. And two hours later, we get a phone call. The house is burnt down, the car, everything was just all burnt. Anyway, it wasn't until I was probably 19, we're at Christmas and my brother's really drunk and he's like my little brother. And he's like, oh no, that was me. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I was really cold because there was like cabins on the property. He went inside, he turned on the heater and watched the clothes light up and just ran out and just (laughs) didn't tell anyone. By the way, our insurance had just run out and mum didn't renew it and the greatest thing is is when he turned 18 he was apprentice becoming a builder and he built a house on that same spot where the house burnt down I guess as maybe as a way of him trying to make up for it anyway we rented it out and a guy that rented it was looking under the bed with the candle and the house burnt down again (laughs) (laughs) we haven't built again I'm gonna say that block of land has a bit of bad juju yeah So we still have it, but there's just little cabins on it now. So let's go stress pops of ash. So let's go back. Jade, you're gonna Jade's not gonna sleep for three days. She's gonna be like my friend. I'll get I'm How many flies. flies are you gonna eat in the next forty minutes? <laughs> that husband that we've seen before is gonna come at me. No, do you know, like so you were ten, the house burnt down. Where did you go? So we had a house, the house I grew up in, in Wollumbar, the near the Hare Krishna farm. We ended up, well, actually for a little while, we had tenants in there. So we ha- we were homeless living in a big bus in Wooyang Caravan Park. That was really traumatic. We had a lot of... All nine of you, like... No, no. So at any one time, my sister, when my brother died, my big sister was really close to him and he actually died on like around her birthday and she kind of rebelled. She was only 15 she was a year older than him and yes she she moved out of home um that was before my little brother was born so my second littlest brother he was only four months hence the breastfeeding on national tv and then my mom met my stepdad my twin and i were sent off to live with our godmother who was going to adopt us and when we came back there was this strange guy with this big wild beard and he happened to be the father of the night child and our stepdad he was a horrible guy really abusive and to you to my mother and, yeah, kind of like trickled down to the elder kids and then eventually down to us. And it was about 10 years before we managed to like get away from him. We had to wait one day till he was gone and pack up and leave the house as quickly as we could. And it took him about a year to find us. And then by that time, mum had moved on and she was strong enough not to go back to him. That was like a, a whole thing. And my little brother's pretty, he's now like a born again Christian. He's pretty messed up about 
that oh. whole situation. Yes, you would be. Yeah. <laughs> I told you this was going to be wild. <laughs> I just we don't know to... where to go next. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not I, laughing yeah, because No, we're trying funny. to work out, like, I don't want to miss any pathway yeah. and I feel like we're just, like, I'm going into future and we're coming back <laughs> and I'm like, hang on, now we're 10. I know, sorry. No, no I'm don't loving be it. sorry. <laughs> like, I'm not. I feel for you. But, like, I'm, this is just, what a story like you have lived, haven't you? Yeah. So you were in a van and you lived in a van. So how many of you would have been in that at a one time? There were six of us. Yeah. yeah. Six kids. And then my mum and my stepdad. And no school? We went to Shearwater Steiner School. So I have to like shout out to my teacher, Justin, who is our guardian. I feel I honestly feel me and my twin without him, we would probably be, you know junkies or whatever we were just he was like the strong solid like rock in our lives and so what do you mean he was your guardian like he was officially no so at steiner you get a guardian okay from kindy to year six and then from seven to 12 and he came in we were a really naughty class and he came in and got kind of fresh out of uni and got thrown this class of wild kids and he was kind of like just this constant rock and we're still you know I'm 36 and he's still a really strong mentor in my life yeah so I'm I'm really grateful to my mum sending us to that school because even though you know it's expensive and it was far away from where we were living it's a lot of trauma stories of trying to get from Walmart and Mullum but that was like a constant thank god for school you know so how did you get to school um we had to catch it was two hours each way so a four-hour round trip and we it was three buses and man if we ever miss that bus my mum would be like screaming at us like in the car so how did she afford to send you there my father so when my brother died when I was I was three when he died he was 14 my father tried to keep the family together mum was a bit you know she just lost her son and had a four-month-old baby um I only found this out after my father died but yeah he really tried to hold the so were they still together at this point yeah but mum was just losing it and so eventually he had to leave she just kept kicking him out and so he left and so he was this kind of figure in my life from when I was five that was very he financially supported us through going to school and then I saw him every now and again not for quite a few years but he'd be the guy that I could ask for money and it wasn't until you know four years before he died that I actually got to know him again yeah and you know I'd heard terrible stories from my mother as Mm -hmm. you do but then I was like oh actually he's a he's an incredible guy he's got a (laughs) he's you know how he died was incredible when we left the Hare Krishnas he didn't speak about them again and I just thought that was it. And then, you know, I noticed him starting to get sick. Um, this was right before I was getting married and we'll get to that story. <laughs> so approximately how old are you at this stage? Um, 28. Yeah. So he didn't come to my wedding. I, I was living in Melbourne and came up here to get married and, yeah, he was just like, no, I'm not feeling well. And I was like, oh, what's going on? Anyway, we eventually tried to intervene because he was this guy that would walk 20 k's a day. He was really healthy. He'd never, ever been to a doctor in his life. The only He wasn't part of the system. He didn't ever pay tax. He was this weird, elusive guy that, you know, only ever had a birth certificate. And he said to me, when I tell you, you need to drop me off the hospital and pretend you don't know me. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Anyway, he said, you know, now's 
the time taking me to the hospital and I was like, okay, you're being a bit dramatic, but let's go. And took him to the hospital. They did some scans. They were like, oh, we need to send him to the next hospital. And this was all in that in the day. And took him. The next doctor was like, you need to call some family members and get them to come down. So I rang my brothers and they flew down that day. And um, yeah, he just, they were like, he lit up like a Christmas tree. We've never seen anything like this. He's cancer. fully covered in cancer, but he's so sound of mind and he's yeah he's just like really with it his pain like threshold is really high we kind of like had a few little chats and he acknowledged me at about 4 a.m and then yeah he he died but within the day so the next day wow but in that time he said to me and my father never asks me for anything he was like can you get me a Bhagavad Gita which is like the Hare Krishna bible right and I was like oh I don't even know how to do that and so I rang the Hare Krishna temple in Melbourne and they were like we'll send down a devotee and I was like oh that's beautiful you know we were in the Frankston hospital it's a bit of a drive and this guy came down he gave us the book and he was like oh can I tell the head of the Hare Krishna place in Melbourne I was like sure anyway this guy rocks up early the next morning right as my father's like just kind of taking his last breaths and he walks in he's like oh my god I know you kids from when you were little you know I was there when we were all at the Hare Krishna farm together and we did this, you know, chant and he got a, my father got a garland around his neck and a tulsi leaf on his tongue, which is how you're supposed to pass into the next, without any planning, like my father just died exactly how he wanted to go, which is so weird. And had he kind of secretly remained a part of like, or just had the ongoing beliefs, even though he wasn't part of it. Yeah, just always had that belief. He was a wild he could travel the world anywhere on an aeroplane because his father was a pilot back then and you could just fly anywhere for free. But, yeah, he discovered the Hare Krishnas when he was, I think, 20s. He had, you know, lots of money and a big house trying to do with transcendental meditation and the Hare Krishnas knocked on his door and he's like, oh, you guys are it. You know, you guys are what I've been searching for and kind of gave them everything and did all that and then left. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we've divulged. We've gone so, into another path. And then how many days out were you from your wedding? So it was so bizarre. My sister-in-law, my husband's sister, who I was so close with, she died right before our wedding from cancer and then right after our wedding my father died. So it was like this, our wedding was like this little Death thing in the, yeah, in the middle of really devastating things. Or was it the brightness in between the most devastating yeah. things? Yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was a beautiful time. I had, you know, my ex-husband is a beautiful man. He's amazing. Oh, so this is your ex-husband? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so where, do, so we where do, we, where do we meet the ex-husband or yeah. where do you want to go from here? I guess, I mean, this is called Beyond the Bump, so I guess mm. this is about my baby journey. Mm. Thanks for arranging us back. <laughs> So, so when I graduated from Steiner School, I was eighteen. I just was. I'm like, I'm out of here. I moved to London. I have not really told many people this, so I'm okay to share it now because I've done a lot of healing. But when I was eighteen, I was in a relationship, very short lived. But I, you know, I thought this guy was great. And anyway, I get I broke up with him, and I get this phone call from this woman, and she's like, I can't believe I'm telling this story. She's like you know, do you know this such and such? And I was like, oh, I know this person. It was a different name. And she's like, oh, that's my husband. And I was like, what? (gasps) 
she goes, I have a feeling that you're pregnant. And I was like, what? Like, I'm not. Anyway, I actually, you know, I was young and I was just like, what the hell? And so I went to the doctor and I actually was pregnant. And this woman had been trying to have a baby with her husband for a long time. Yeah. So she actually became, I didn't tell anyone. She became like my my like support person it was really bizarre and I couldn't it was just too much for me and so I had a termination and there was a lot of like grief around that and I ended up just I was trying to escape and I moved to London and it was just had a horrible depressing time in London and came back and finally did like a bit of a clearing of energy with my big sister and Sorry, can we please go back for a sec? So she calls you, but you've been dating this guy who's kind of been going under a different alias. For how long? Um, Probably, I think it was about 10 months. And did they split or stay together? Like, because you said she was... I just said to her, after this all happened, she was pretty devastated that I got a termination. I just was kind of like, I... I never spoke to him again after when I yeah. found, when I got that phone call from her. I was just like, "Oh, that's crazy! Never again will I speak to this person." And I just said to her, "I feel really terrible for you, and you should probably yeah. leave that guy." Because I, you know, I went to a house and stuff, thinking it was his house and it was his friend's house, and oh, you know, it's big lies, big, big lies, big lies, yeah. And me being super naive, and yeah. I'm the. Out of me and my twin, I'm probably, I'm elder, but she's the one that's kind of protected me. So I'm very naive when I come across people. I always think the best of them first. And I believe what people tell me yeah. even to this day. But yeah, she, I don't know what happened to them. I just escaped. I went to London. But so- when she was devastated that you got the termination because she wanted a baby so bad. Yeah. And I, I relate to that now because uh, my journey to have a baby has been, full on. After that, I just really said to myself, I don't want to have kids. I'm one of nine kids. I don't want to bring any more kids into this world. Yeah. And so when I came back, I met my husband at a masquerade ball. He is Hang there. on, where are you to go to a masquerade <laughs> oh, ball? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. So I moved back. We can't be in the bar. Hang on, Shire, before, you, before you go to this part, how did you guys move to Vanuatu and live? Oh, so that was when I was 14. <laughs> sorry, we're going back. Yeah. So we went on a holiday just... Your mum and the kids. Just mum and, ki- and the kids and my stepdad. We went on a holiday and my mum just loved it so much. She applied to the villages to become the nurse and we just stayed there. We only had the clothes, you know, for, for vacation for two weeks and we just ended up living there. We were like these wild little kids with, no, you know, we're super white with no shoes on and we'd follow the villages into, you know, the farms and stuff. She just left us there as well a few times. She'd come back to Australia do a bit <laughs> <What>? of work. <laughs> we would just stay in Vanuatu, just living in this little village. It was it was amazing, um, but it was, you know, it was pretty wild to be part of that. We've, I swear my twin sister and I saw some black, black magic, but I'm still like, was that my little imagination when I was 14? What did you see? We came across, we were like walking through these like, kind of a jungly part and we came across this big open field and there was this pile of debris or whatever in the middle and there's these two you know island guys that were quite old and they were kind of like in a weird trance and they looked like they were doing some kind of chanting or something yeah Yeah. and there were coconuts like suspended in the air and it was we were both just like what the fuck (laughs) is that real like (laughs) we ran away we were just like this is crazy and 
there was a guy. Oh, keep going. No. <laughs> no. Keep going. No. It's just, keep going. They we don't it. care. It's not related to Beyond Love at all. Just keep going. <laughs> there was like a, you know, one of the villagers was telling us that there's another person that always smelt really bad and they're like, that's actually a dead body that he's been like, what do you call it? Fermented. <laughs> no. Like uh, possessed. Possessed. Really. And, you know, there's a neighbour that's possessing his body and it was just, it was, there was some dark stuff in Vanuatu. Like the black magic over there is pretty wild to see. But, yeah, I'm not sure if it was my little, like, 14-year-old imagination, but my twin and I both are just, we are both look at each other and we're, like, still to this day, we're like, did that really happen? Well, there's two of you, so, yeah. like, you know. Otherwise, they should... really had some really see-through fishing wire or yeah, something, yeah. suspending it off a tree. But yeah. if you both saw it. The crazy thing about my twin and I, so we're identical, which means we're the same sperm and the same egg, so we literally have the same DNA. We yeah. have a lot of the same memories, it's really weird and like, you know, we had, when I moved to London. Does that mean you look exactly the same or is that we, fraternal? No, no, no it's identical. We look exactly the same, yeah. So yeah. around town people always chatting to me and I'm like, Well, I'm when so you sorry. got out of the car, I was like, oh, my God, you look so familiar. I've never met before, but maybe it's your twin. Could have been. Yeah, so sh- people constantly come up to me and chat to me and I'm like, oh, I don't know who you are. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm a twin. So, And I also just found out, which I wish I knew nine years ago my twin had her first daughter who I am obsessed with that we her kids and my daughter shit we have the same DNA so technically I'm their mother and she's oh, mother yes. so wow. I only just found that out which I'm so you know I'm stoked about because I love her daughters so much yeah like you're like this is more than an aunt relationship yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and my big sisters are you know I love their kids, but they're not. It's, I don't know. There's something about yeah. I, twins. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. Like, I love, love, love my nieces, but it's not the same as my children. Yeah. I have yeah. this really strong connection with her first daughter. Just, I just, I feel like she's like my little soulmate. I just would do anything for her. And now that I've had a daughter, because I was like, you know, surely it's going to feel different. I'm just like, oh, I no, I still feel the same. Yeah. I've had that protection of her. Can we talk about twins for a second? Because yeah. it, it blows my mind about a lot of people say they can like read each other's minds. They feel when something's off. Yeah. The, the connection is just so real. What has happened in your life that has been just so like, oh, my God, that's a twin moment? So many things. Um, I have no doubt. <laughs> Nah, nothing. Life's boring. Yeah. <laughs> Life's so boring. No, when we were little, my twin was doing some blood lighting and she like nearly sliced off her little finger. It was kind of just hanging and I was the one feeling the pain. <gasps> Same when the doctor was stitching it up, I had to leave because she wasn't feeling it, I was feeling it. Um, when I moved to London, I was really, I was already depressed, but I was really depressed for a while and I wasn't sure why and I hadn't heard from her and she was actually living in, she's got a her on the story. We'll have to get her on. I know. She was living in Israel with her husband. She met, she met him when she was 16, married at 19. They took her passport. So she was stuck there and she didn't know how to get out. And so she was depressed and I was tapping into that and it wasn't, and then I ended up just flying to Israel and... She borrowed your passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got her out of there. There's so when I when I had Winnie, her you know it's been seven years since she's had her last baby. Her milk came in. <gasps> she her cesarean scar was hurting. It was like crazy. And we yeah yeah 
It's great. Wow. And was it quite nice being in a family of nine, which I imagine it can be hard to kind of find your place? Was there something comforting about having a twin? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think of everyone, I feel like I was the most sheltered and I probably have the most positive experience of childhood because my twin was always with me and then everyone, you know, everyone else was looking after the twins. It was very comforting. And even at school, you know, like I just never had to make too much effort because I was like, I've got a twin, I've got a best friend, like I don't need anyone else. But I'm the one that made all the friends and I started a lot of fights that she finished. (laughs) (laughs) You started the good and the bad. Yeah. yeah. I feel like together we're like this perfect human but separate. We're, we're, We're very different you know, if people know us, they, we're very different. Well, you, that that makes sense. When you're together, you're a whole person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. I enjoy being a twin. I don't know what it's like not to, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But wow. I've always got someone. Where were we up to? I was starting my baby journey. You were. Oh, yeah, yes. sorry. You were trying to bring us back bunch. to, you know, what this podcast is about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, yeah, moved to London, came back. I came to Melbourne. My big sister, my twin sister and my oldest brother were all getting married around the same time so I still had my visa in London but I came back for the wedding and my sister got married in Melbourne and my eldest and second eldest sorry and I just loved Melbourne I'd never been there before and so I just left all my stuff in London and just stayed and lived there and I was there for a couple of years and then I went to a masquerade ball I met where was that just in St Kilda why, what, what's your issue on the location? Well, because I just feel like if I, like, I feel like if you're in London, I'm thinking big gates and like big <laughs> puffy dresses and oh. big masks and that's not what I feel. Qu- no, not quite. No. I mean, if, if it's Melbourne, it's like there's a sign, a banner above <laughs> the train station that says masquerade ball on the 20th of Feb. <laughs> See, uh, my mind went to Gossip Girl oh. and how oh, yeah. that they always like kiss the wrong person because the mask is on. Well, the craziest thing is I, so my husband, he was a guy that I went to school with who was, you know, this new kid came rocked into school Paul from America he had a famous uncle Frank who is a act Australian actor and that night I met I didn't know he was uncle Frank I met Frank he was he charmed me and I actually had had a boyfriend almost a year beforehand who I had found in bed with a girl and was just like okay that's enough of boys for me this is enough so I went on this like year of no men and I happened to be invited to this ball and met this charming older man and I was just like, ah, oh, I'm just going to have one night stand with him. And as we were leaving, very drunk, my my friend comes up and he goes, oh, you've met Uncle Frank. And I was like, oh, God, it's too oh, late. Does he have to be called Uncle? Yeah. Uncle How Frank. old are we talking? So I was 22. He was 41, nearly okay. 21. Yeah, so 19 years different. Yeah, for some reason to me, Uncle Frank is like, 75. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know if you'd be getting in there at 75. Yeah. So there's a lot of people bit fan girling around him. I didn't know. I don't watch TV. I was grew up, grew up without a TV, so I don't watch all that. But anyway, he just charmed me and he just kept, you know, coming back. And I was just like, oh, all right. And then anyway, I met his three kids and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I broke up with him. I was just like, no. And then, you know, I just, I felt, I loved him. It was love at first sight. I loved him. And Hang so, on, Frank. Frank, yeah. You married Frank. I married Uncle Frank. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. So you married Uncle Frank. I sure did. <laughs> Eventually I just couldn't, I just was like, oh, I just love you. So I was just like, this is perfect. 
you have three kids and you have a vasectomy and I don't want children. So this is great. And so we had this beautiful, incredible relationship. It was pretty hard being a stepmom. I don't rate it, but those kids are amazing. So I'm really grateful for how much I learned from them. But when I was about 25, I started to have this like weird thing going, oh shit, I think I do actually want to have kids. And I broke up with him and he was like, no, no, we, we, we can do this. And so as in you broke up with him purely because he'd had a vasectomy or was there other reasons as well? He kind of, (laughs) this is how dramatic I am. We're in on a holiday in Cambodia and we had this conversation and it sounded to me like he didn't want to have more kids. And I was just like, oh, it's, I have to have a child. And I left him in Cambodia. <laughs> like literally went home? I literally left him there, <laughs> booked a flight and didn't tell him well, either. I just wait, I just snuck out of the hotel room and You've left. had really good practice of just packing up, <laughs> yeah. not packing up yeah, and exactly. just leaving. Exactly. You have possessions all around the world. <laughs> I know. So he ended up coming back to Australia and proposing to me and he was like, we're going to do this. And I was like, okay, you know, it was a beautiful relationship and he's still my bestest friend. Aww. I just, we have the nicest relationship. But anyway, so we got married and it was really beautiful and then we started the IVF process. Oh, so he wasn't going to untie his vasectomy? He couldn't. We tried to, oh. yeah. So it had been too long. It had been 10 years and they were saying it would be the easier process for you guys to just, you know, get a sperm extraction and right. do the reversal. It potentially highly likely not to work and then have to do that anyway. Yeah. So we went down that road and at the time I had started a business, Glowtats, and that was taking off. That do you was know Glowtats? Yeah. And I, you know, had to quit my job and was that was like going nuts. And I ended up, I don't know why, but I spent all the money on the IVF and I, there was nothing wrong with me. I, you know, one of nine kids, I'm very fertile on my sister's had kids accidentally, all of that kind of thing. I ended up going into overstimulation and I produced 30 eggs. A lot of women produce like, you know, seven yeah. to ten or something. 30, 30 yeah. So. But that's quite dangerous. Like did you have yeah, any of like, the side, like yeah, yeah, complications was, was of horrible. that? Yeah, yeah, I was like in hospital and they so they had to – this story is relevant because of how then how it affected my fertility. They had to puncture through my womb 30 times to get those eggs out from his sperm and this is only after the fact after we'd broken up I'd moved away I was like demanded them to send me the report because I was trying to figure out what was going on with me they were like you know his sperm was like they were using words like limp and all kinds of things I was like why would you let us go ahead with IVF when we knew that yeah he, he couldn't do it but so the IVF failed the first time we did it again a few years later in between we were like traveling all over the world to film festivals and things like that so it was a lot it was really busy I don't know I was always feeling the pull to come to Byron and he was always like we'll move to Byron and Glow Tats was always you know doing much better when I came up here and my best friend Sophie she was doing her businesses and just the beginnings of Seed and Sprout was starting and I eventually just we, we see the second round it failed again and I just all these things happened. My twin sister moved up here with her daughters. My cat died because, <laughs> you know, I love my cat. Everything was kind of opening up for me to go to, to Byron and leave Frank in Melbourne. He needed to be there for acting. And so we just decided to, to break up. I was like, I really need to have a baby. And he needed to continue to act in Melbourne. So we just made a conscious decision to break up really well. And so we, you know, saw a counsellor, we read a book together and we just decided no matter what, we'll stay best friends. And we have, like, I'm really proud of us. That was five years ago. So 
we have been the greatest of friends. But I moved up here. I jumped into Seed and Sprout with Sophie and we were doing that. So I was just hectic, you know, head down in that, just kind of figuring out what am I going to do about this baby situation. I started seeing a guy who was a beautiful guy and I accidentally got pregnant. And while it wasn't ideal, I was like, okay, like this is amazing. But very quickly on, you know, having pain, all kinds of things. And then it turned out to be ectopic. I lost my whole right side and that was just like a devastating blow for me. I was just like, oh, shit. And so then I threw myself back into work. So can you, because a lot of people don't know much about mm. ectopics. Can you say like what was the process? So you found out you were pregnant and then when did you start having pain and, and what and happened what is from it? there? So I thank God for my GP in Byron. She, I went in and I just said to her, I think, I'm having a bit of pain on my right side. And she just straight away was like, that's a sign of ectopic. And I didn't even know what that meant, but it was meaning that the egg was implanting into my fallopian tube and there's no way for that to be viable, but they couldn't find it on the scan. And so it was just like this agony of, it was almost a month of just like scans, trying to find it, trying to find it. I'm really in touch with my body. So I know I knew pretty quickly that I was pregnant and yeah, I went to Tweed for this scan. Oh, I, Actually, I was like driving home one day and I was going past the hospital and just had this crazy pain where I thought I was going to crash the car and just pulled straight into the hospital. And while I was waiting to be admitted, just talking to the front desk, I had to go into the bathroom and I thought I had a miscarriage. It was just, you know, blood and everything, but it was a strong little embryo and it survived that and they still couldn't find it. So I had to go to hospital and then they found it on the scan and straight away they were like, we need to take you into emergency yeah, surgery really right dangerous. now. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And the first person I call is Frank, and he's like, you know, I can get on a flight, but you've got to call your family. And so everyone arrived sort of after I had that had happened, yeah. after the surgery. So that was, that was really devastating. Frank was there, like, to help, you know, through the healing process and all of that. And then I threw, again, threw myself back into work. When you were with Frank, was there any part of you that thought, you know, because obviously you guys had a strong relationship, but potentially it was more platonic than romantic, do you feel? Like, did you ever think about getting a sperm donor but still raising a child with him? Yeah, or? yeah. No, it was very romantic. Our relationship was very passionate yeah. right up until the end. We definitely thought about a sperm donor. I wanted to have kids with him. I, and everyone was like, you know, why don't you adopt? And I was like, it's not, it's the, I can't explain it. There was something yeah. about wanting to be pregnant. It wasn't logical. It wasn't logical because logically I didn't want to have a baby, but just there was something in me that was like, I need to do this. We joked and laughed and talked about getting a donor. We t- seriously talked to a few people. One of his like best friends who's Australia's top stunt guy who was like, you know, I'm in a dangerous profession. I want to have a kid. So him and I went down that path to we were nearly going to do that and then kind of towards the end he was like no I want the kid to have my surname blah blah and I was like no this, this is, is supposed to yeah, yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be a, a donation not yeah a, be the father <laughs> um, so that was getting really close yeah. to that happening and just I guess with Frank and I once the cracks started it was kind of like I I need to go to Byron we're like maybe we'd end up back together we weren't yeah. sure but we, we just it kind, kind of, of had to be all or nothing with yeah. it, it yeah. sounds like. Like yeah. it's like you had yeah. to be together and have his child or it was kind of. Yeah, or I had to go off and do this, yeah. something that I needed to do. It just became this thing 
you know, it was so weird. I, I became one of those women that was, you know, 30 something women that just was desperate to have a baby. And I always looked at those women was just like, you know, why, why? And then all of a sudden I'd become her, that person in my brain that I had looked at and probably judged, definitely judged. And I had become her. And so I, yeah, threw myself into work, you know, had the ectopic. I, was just starting to get super burnt out from seed and sprout. We grew so fast. Yeah. I was general managing and it was just, it was just wild, the growth spurt. And I had just kind of had enough. And in that time, like this beautiful Austrian man was like a Greek God flew, you know, flew in, swept me off my feet. Absolutely. Just like romanticized me that I'd never experienced before. And we had started to hear word of COVID and, I was with Gerald in Australia. He had to go back to Austria. He was planning to move to Australia. My twin sister was planning to go to Italy with her daughters because her father, their father was from there. So we had this planned. I was like, finally, I'm going to go on vacation. We're going to go to Italy. We're going to go to Scotland, see our heritage. And I'm going to go to Austria and see this beautiful man. And anyway, the night before our flight at 1 a.m., we get a text message you know, the world's shut down, COVID's here, flights have been cancelled, all that kind of thing. I was just like, oh, hell no, I'm so burnt out. I can't, cannot yeah. do this. I have to go. So I just booked a direct flight to Austria because Italy was the first place that exploded yeah. with the COVID. So I flew to Austria. He, he surprised, as soon as I got there, he surprised me, took me to Portugal. And in Portugal, everything was shutting down behind us. And it was, you were like on the run. Yeah. <laughs> It was like trying to run from this thing. And I was really like, you know, I was the one that was like, this will be nothing. Yeah. Like COVID's going to be, it'll, you know, people will get over it. Yeah, no, not the case. So <laughs> we, I was in Austria. The plan was for me to be there for a month, have a vacation, come back. He was going to move. You know, I was going to go back to work, all of that kind of thing. My flights got cancelled. I just fully got stuck there. You know, the first flight got cancelled. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll spend summer in Europe that'll be amazing and you know then it was starting to get really serious yeah. anyway after you know six cancelled flights I ended up being there for 10 months it was just Australia I was one of those 40,000 people that Australia wouldn't let back in wow. I was there illegally it was wild but I had the most beautiful European summer with this <laughs> beautiful man I experienced winter I experienced it was it was amazing we were trying to have a baby too so that wasn't happening and I was kind of confused as to why that wasn't happening because, you know. It had happened so easily. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. when I was like quizzing the fertility doctor for the IVF and then found right. all that out and they were like, actually, you've probably got a lot of scar tissue in your womb because of the IVF and all of that. So I ended up coming back to Australia. On, I actually had to call in a favour from Frank. So I got to 10 months. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I've spent all my money. I'd quit Seed and Sprout by then. I just was like Frank. And so he called in a favour and there was no way I would have been able to get out without Frank. So I got put on an embassy list and got put on a Christmas Day flight home and then put into a horrible hotel quarantine situation, which was fucked. Um, what happened? Oh, there was just no fresh air. I was literally, you should see my videos. It's like a little like hole in the window. I was like trying to suck air out. Oh it was my like, God. It was, this it, was hor- it was like a horrible, I was like one of those people that was, it was a moldy bathroom. There was either, the aircon was either blasting or off. And so I had no idea what the weather was outside. That's so scary. Was, Did you have a window? 
no open window. So it was yeah. just fully like shut. They were, people were like the, you know, security, the police, like screaming at you. It was so weird. Like, you know, the world, I was in Europe and it was fine. There was yeah, no like no. COVID situation. It was, people were like wearing masks and things, but there was no like abuse. And you get to, you know, I got to Dubai got to the Australian, like, gate and the people are wearing hazmat suits. I'm like, you guys are way overreacting. This is wild. And, you know, get to Australia, there's, like, to every one of us, mostly women on this plane, you know, we had, like, three rows to ourselves. It was this giant empty plane. There was probably, like, three to four police officers per person. It was, like, the craziest (gasps) amount of resources put to, you know, made us feel like we were had like a flesh eating disease. Yeah. <laughs> and like just getting yelled at. Anyway, I had to see a bit of like psych do a bit of psychology work and see a counselor after that because it was wild. I think after day eight, I just broke. I was just like, I can't be in here and just pacing back and forth and just that's but that's saying something because I'm sorry, you've You've seen some shit in your yeah. time and <laughs> yep. seriously that's saying how much that hotel quarantine and stuff affected people because like wild. I feel like you're quite resilient yeah. and yeah. yeah that broke you I had you know I had a lot of time to prepare in my brain for it because I was trying to get home so much and I knew that in July I knew that hotel quarantine was coming into play and then I didn't get home until late December and so I was, you know, going to do yoga and I did all of that. And I thought, you know, by day eight, I was like, I was, there's still a lot of hours left in the day. Yeah. I was you like, can oh. do two hours of yoga and there's still 22 hours. And to you're fill. in a tiny little square of a room. And it was just crazy. It was, yeah. Every day I get a phone call from Queensland Health and they'd say, you know, any symptoms, blah, blah, oh. anything else you want to add? And I said, yes, like, even a prisoner gets 15 minutes of fresh air. Like this is a breach of my human rights. It's wild. I've, I've been in a bit of, bit of a battle with them. Um, so when I came out, you know, there was no masks then Australia was fairly oblivious to it all. So I was still wearing masks because I was used to it in Europe and everyone was just like, no, Sachi, like that's not a thing. And I was like, but you guys totally overreacted. I've been in fucking prison. Like you guys don't know what I've been through. And then, you know, then the lockdowns started to come into play and I was just like, this is insane. You know, it's the the punishment doesn't suit the crime. You know, there's not enough COVID cases to be. I, for me, from my experience, I was just like, this is not making any sense. So I was really getting frustrated in that time. Anyway, so I got out, kind of was like having trouble kind of even associating with people and trying to get Gerald over from Austria and there was no way. No, no Australia way. was like, no, no one was coming in. So eventually after a few months, we were just like, this is so hard. We have to call this and yeah. we, you know, we'll see what happens in the future because we had no idea how long COVID was going to go for. So I was just, I got like swooped up pretty quickly and got a job as a brand manager for Magic and Vi and I, you know, love them and thank God for them to, you know, start doing this astrology and like different pace to Matt, um, to Seed and Sprout. It was just like this really wellness, beautiful thing. And I was just like, okay, this is the time to go back on the baby wagon and, you know, no one's doing anything. Let's see what's out there. So my big sister, I spend a lot of time on the Sunshine Coast. She was like, it's a numbers game, Sachi. You've got to just get in the dating pool. So I was like, all right, I'm going to date. And so I just date. I went on so many dates. I've got hilarious story which that's another time is it hard dating though with one thing in mind like they were like a walking sperm yeah for you like how do you even listen to what they say or like 
I feel like it'd be so easy to miss red flags and stuff like that because you're like, I don't care, you've got spit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was really straight up. I was just like, I want to have a baby. And a lot of guys were like, fuck, run. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Greg. Yeah. I'd like your Cancel, baby. cancel that order. I'm yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of weirdos are like, yes. And then I was like, wait, hold on. That's, <laughs> that's you're not allowed to say it back. Yeah. Only I'm allowed yeah. to say it. Yeah. Exactly. That's just weird. Um, you don't know me. So my, my list of what I wanted just was becoming shorter and shorter, you yeah. know, like of what I would, you know, because I've had a lot of luck in love. I've had beautiful relationships and yeah. it was just becoming shorter and shorter. And I was just like, fucking hell, I'm just, fuck this. I'm so desperate. I want to have this baby. I'm my standards are so low. So low. <laughs> anyway, different story to most. Anyway, um, I met this French guy who... I'd just been on this beautiful date with this guy and then, you know, he somehow got my number. I can't even remember how, but he kept ringing me and I was just like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not dating a French guy. Anyway. we what I, was his name? Matt. Matt. Oh, so it's going to be, you've had Gerald, you've yeah. had Frank, Matt. Oh, Matthew. Matthew. Oh, okay. Matthew. That's a good, yeah. Matthew. 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 Okay. So he, we met in the, you know, in Mullum and I was, he came up to me and I was like, oh, he's torn. Okay. I was like, all right. That's yeah. better than anyone yeah. I've been on a date with recently <laughs> yeah. and I considered them to be the father of my child. So Matthew. Exactly. Yeah, Matthew, you're in. No, actually on it was it was through a, a hinge or an online dating thing. One of his pictures was him eating a steak and I was like, that's a dead set no for me. I was brought up co Christian. I've never eaten meat in my life. Blah blah blah. Well, for some reason, I met up with him. I'm fucking desperate. So he sits down. I love that her standards are like, he can be a dick, he can be ugly, but if he eats steak, no fucking way. Oh, if he's French, but if he eats steak, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he sits down and he says to me, we were about to order food, he says to me, I hope it's okay, I'm a vegan. And I just lit up. I was like, oh, God, yes, all right. He's Did you jump him at the yeah. table? <laughs> it's like fucking tick. Um, so then he, we started talking. I said, you know, what's your story? And he said, I was in a relationship with a woman with a child, but I really want to have a child of my own. No way. That's your material. Yeah. And he's like, vegan material. I was like, boom, you're in. I was like, literally, this is, in. you're in. I did not give a shit. I didn't give a shit that he was a fucking wet blanket. He was, <laughs> <laughs> it was not interesting at all. Sorry, Matt. Um, <laughs> he, so we seriously, we quickly moved in together. We, we rented this giant house in Moolumba. I wanted to be close to my family. He was a builder. I was like, quickly, like, let's get through the red flags. I was like, you know, do you have a visa? <laughs> Can you be in Australia? He's like, yes. Anyway, we started trying very quickly to have a kid and it just like, you know, month after month after month, it wasn't happening. I was like, fuck, this guy's so boring. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I can't believe Did you not saying. consider just doing it on your own? Yeah, we're getting there. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad so, that Matthew got you to that point. Matthew. So, yeah, Matthew. So eventually oh. it was just like, this isn't happening. Yeah. <laughs> this, this isn't happening. You're so boring. Like, I, I you know, let's just be friends. We, kind of, we stay in this giant house as kind of flatmates, friends together. And I was just like, I'm going to do this journey on yeah. my own. In the meantime, actually, in that time, after the first like three tries, I was like, let's see a fertility doctor. 
we'll check you, check me. I had the high cozy to check my left fallopian mm. tube and it was clear, which is so weird because I was like, I'd been trying with Gerald, I'd been trying with Matt, what's going on? The f- two fertility doctors, but Dr. Keong, he was just like, no, you cannot have babies naturally. You have to do IVF. And I was devastated. I was just like, how do I have to do this again? And so. What was the reason? He just said, you've got, too, there's too much damage. From the previous IVF. From the previous IVF. From the so, hyperstimulation. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. Right. He's just like, you can't do this without IVF. You have to do it. So I was just like, oh God. I Goodbye, don't. Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not going to do IVF with a boring guy. I'm going to do this on my own. So I started looking. I'm sorry. I love you. So I started looking at like, it was like resumes of sperm donors yeah. from the US. So in Australia, guys will not donate sperm because they can't get paid for it and they have to sign a thing that they their child can contact them at 18. Yeah. So most of the sperm in Australia is from fertility doctors. Oh. So I started looking at... Wait. Wait, what? From so, the doctors themselves? Yeah, so they because you you don't get paid for it. You have to volunteer donate your sperm in Australia. So while they're in the like, <laughs> my dad's a fertility doctor. Do I pass siblings? So you've got heaps of siblings running around. about to say. Imagine if Nick's parents had gone through <laughs> IVF and got a sperm donor. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Poppy looks so much like Timmy. Imagine if there's just half siblings running around everywhere. Anyway, so, so in America, you get they get paid. Yeah, and they get paid pretty a pretty good oh amount God, of money. Those guys would be just literally dropping them away. off. I know. Yeah. yeah, and and you also so in this resume, you don't get a photo of them, but you get a what they look like a famous person that they look like. Oh. So I was really going through these resumes. Mm. So wait, you were in Australia? I was in Australia, and I didn't like the idea of getting sperm sent from America. That was weird to me. Yeah. Then I wanted this child. I don't know. I just wanted this child to come naturally, but it was just all out of the question. It was all, everything was just, just shit. It was just like, I can't believe I'm here in this place from the life that I've had. I'm now here. My, all my siblings have children, except for my little ones. They, I just was like, how is this happening to me? So anyway, I was just like, fuck it, I'm doing this. And so I was going through all these resumes. Anyway, this fucking third lockdown came into play and I was just like, fuck this. I have not had a drink of alcohol for a long time. I have been obsessing about babies. Like I just, I need to have a break. Mm. And so my big sister, I couldn't be saying this publicly. She (laughs) has this big. What is it that you're going to say now? (laughs) I'm so intrigued now because I'm like, everything else is real good. (laughs) No, it's not. No, she, you know, we're in lockdown. So she's like, fuck it. I'm throwing a party. And I was like, fuck it. I'm getting Drunk. I'm taking drugs. Like, <laughs> I, and she, you know, had some friends sneak over the border. Everything was shut down. 
So we had this big party. And here's where baby daddy comes into play. Oh. So... At the illegal party. Yeah. At the illegal party, yeah. So Kez Kaziah, he, I've known him from childhood. I actually know his mother quite well because she's closer in age to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I went from my 19-year-old husband to my 11-year younger. No, 19-year-old. Older, yeah. To 11-year younger. younger. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So That's right. Full spectrum. Full spectrum. You know, wouldn't expect anything less from me. So no. he is actually, I've worked with him a few times. He's a DJ and he has an entertainment company and I've watched him from, you know, quite a young age become really <laughs> successful. That sounds like I'm grooming him. You know I wasn't. <laughs> I never, ever looked at him like that. He was just part of the family, like part of the community. Because how old was he when you first knew about him? Oh, just no, no, tell me, yeah, twenty four, like not no, no, long ago. no. Oh, when I met him, Wait. oh, like th- I don't know, three or something. <laughs> but that's yeah. fine. That's, that's fine. fine. So yeah. fine. It's fine. Yeah. There was nothing. Yeah. No. Untoward. Yeah. No. 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 Until now. De- definitely not. So we had done a few gigs together in the last few years because Glow Tats was booming. He had an entertainment company. Mm. Kind of married. Mm. You know, Glow in the Dark temporary tattoos, glitter. Went with his. So we did a few gigs together. He was always really shy around me. Never really spoke to me much. And I was like, why? And maybe thought at one point he might have a crush on me, but just never thought of it because I'm an older woman. I didn't ever look at him in that. Yeah. Sorry, Kez. So at this party, he's he's become such a, you know, he would never DJ at one of the house parties because he gets paid and he wouldn't. Yeah. But, you know, it was a family party and lots of craziness happening and everyone was like, please, can you get on the decks? And he's one of my favourite DJs. <laughs> so that, yeah, anyway, I, I was just very high, very drunk. And at the end of the night, it was like 3 or 4 a.m., he kissed me and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're like my little brother. Like, what is happening? Like, no. And he's like, what do you mean? I've got a, I've always had a crush on you. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, no, this is no. You're way too close to the family. Absolutely not. I have to tell you guys this story. When I had started seeing Matt, I met you. I, my, one of my really good friends, Laura had seen a psychic and I'm just like, you know, what, like, just come at me. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see this psychic. So it was, I got on this zoom call with this psychic who was American. This, he looked like he had guns in the background, this country hit guy. Like it was so, I was like, this is weird. This is (laughs) not not how I imagined my psychic to look. Exactly. And he said some things and I was just like, oh, what? And, you know, Laura had said big things about him and I respect the shit out of Laura. So I was just like, okay, what have you got for me? And he gave me a date of who I'm going to meet. And he said, you're going to meet somebody who in this particular amount of time who you've either known before or in a past life and you're going to have a baby fairly quickly. And he also said quite a few other things about what was already going on in my life. And I was just like, mm, okay. And I told my twin sister about this and I was just like, apparently this is the time, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he goes, the guy you're with is not the guy. And that was much. You're like, I know I fall asleep. And he was like, it, without me saying, I've actually got the recording of this oh my psychic God. thing. He was just, without me saying anything, he was like, the guy that you're with right now, he wants the mother of his child and a wife. You want a partner and a baby. Can you see the difference? And I was like, oh, maybe. And he's like, you want a partner and a, and a baby. He wants just like a wife because he's so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, um, Matthew, sorry. if you're listening, darling. Um, so anyway, it literally, so the, that night, 
I'm skipping back to the party with kids. Where you were saying, no, 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 no there no. is no way, no way in You're hell. You're like a brother to yeah, me. No, yeah. We've all heard Too that before. Too close to the family. Yeah, no, no. Oh, by the way, I had forgotten about this psychic situation. It wasn't until the next morning I rang my twin and I was like, guess what? And she's like, what? And I was like, oh, I hooked up with Kez last night. She goes, what? And I was like, she's like, he's your guy. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, he's your guy. And I was like, he's not the guy. And she's like, what's the date? And I was no. like, oh, shit. No, to the day. To the day. No fucking way. And I was like, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. He is not the guy. And she was like, he's your guy. And you're literally talking about the guy that's standing out there rocking your baby right there. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's the guy. He's the guy. Anyway, we, yeah, we just we kept seeing each other for a little bit and I, like because I was so obsessed with the babies I had all these pregnancy tests and one day I just was like I'm gonna do a pregnancy test so what did because he was he's 11 years younger than you yeah what did he say when you were like I want a baby I want a baby oh, yesterday yeah. so we're in lockdown so we were spending a lot of time together and I said to him you need to like move on I'm trying to have a baby he's yeah like, <laughs> he's like no no like I really like you and I was like Kez, I'm I'm serious about having a yeah. baby. I'm look look, here you go. Here's the resumes that I'm looking yeah. at. Like I'm trying to have a baby. And he's like, why don't you consider me? And I was like, oh. no way. I'm not gonna do that. You're too close to family. Like, no. And he's like, come and on. And did he mean consider him as a sperm, sperm donor, donor or yeah. consider him as gonna be the father of the child? Sperm donor. Yeah. And the father. And I was like, Kez it's out of the question. It's not gonna happen. You need to, you know, you're a hot young DJ. Like there's a lot of hot young girls who like you move on you've had your little fling <laughs> yeah let's I've seen what experience feels like <laughs> <laughs> let's not do this anyway I we weren't using protection because I was like I can't get pregnant mm. so you know that's not a thing anyway I just for fun one day I was I was drinking a lot <laughs> I don't drink. I was relaxed. We were partying. You were dating days. a 25 year old. We acting were like, like a 25 year old. I was acting like a 25 year old. We were, you know, going to parties and all that kind of thing. Anyway, I thought, I'm just going to do a pregnancy test. Anyway, I did it. I looked at it. It was negative. And for some reason, I didn't throw it in the bin. I put it in the cupboard mm. and just forgot about it. And then it was not for like a couple of days. I think three days later, I was starting to, I fell asleep in the middle of the day. That's right. And I was like, I don't fall asleep in the day. And the last time I'd fallen asleep in the middle of the day is when I had a nectotic pregnancy. So I was just like, oh, is something going on? Like, nah, surely not. Anyway, I went, for some reason, I opened up the bathroom cupboard and I pulled out the pregnancy test and I looked, there was two lines on it. And I was like, oh my fucking God, how did I miss that? I freaked out and I pulled out every single different type of pregnancy test that I had and I did them all and they were all positive. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to explain this to everyone? The first person I told was La and, you know, she was doing the Womb Room podcast at home. I was like, holy shit, what am I going to do? It took me about a week to tell anyone else. I didn't tell Kez. I was just like, what am I going to do? This is crazy. I'm obviously kind of happy but freaking out. I'm mostly scared of his mother. <laughs> yeah, because you, like, knew no, her. How did she feel about the fact you were dating or did she have no idea? Are she we calling living- it dating at that stage? Had we reached dating? Just a good fucking, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She was living in India. So okay. his mum was in India. So when I, it was about a week and I was like, I've got to tell him. So anyway, I... You know, I had already warned him, like, we're going to break up. This is not a thing. Anyway, I was like, he came over. I was like, I need to tell you something. And he was like, what? And I, like, guided him into the room and, like, showed him the pregnancy test. And he's like, what am I looking at? And I'm just like, 
you know. He's like, this is this a COVID test? Yeah. 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 Are you positive? <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's what he was going through his head. He was like, what's, what's that? What's that? And I was just like, look, like, what, look. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? And he was just dead in the face. And I was like, oh, shit. And I just straight away was just like, you don't have, have to do anything to do with this kid. Like, don't worry about it. I'm sorry. Like, it wasn't supposed to happen. And he's just like, what? And he's just like, kind of started tearing up. He's like, this is the best thing oh, ever. No. He's like, I thought you were about to break up with oh, me. No. And I was just like, what? And he's like, I'm so happy. And I was just like, oh, shit, like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so we're having a baby maybe. You know, I'm not even sure if this is going to be viable. And I was like, well, now we really quickly have to tell the whole community yeah. in the relationship, like, ASAP, we need to get it out before the baby news comes out. And so we went to Facebook and we ticked <laughs> in a relationship <laughs> pretty much we were pretty much like quick like that day like out on the town like everyone see us because I was trying to hide the whole thing had to tell his mum she was so happy she Aww. was just like so did you say hey by the way we're dating and we're pregnant no. In one conversation. No, no. By the, by the way, we're, we're dating. Yes. yes. That's it. I'm going to call you tomorrow. That's a new tomorrow. No, the main, the, the, honestly, the I mean, that's a big part of it. But the main thing was I was so scared that yes. I was going to have a miscarriage and it was going right. to be, you know, ectopic again and all of that. So I was like, better to not tell anyone and just not get hopes up or anything like that and not even have to deal with the the gossip. Because there's a lot of gossip in the Hare Krishna community and a lot of things spread really quickly. Is he Hare no, no his family yes. was. Yes. So, yeah, he was brought up yeah. Hare Krishna, yeah. similar to me. Yeah. We're both outside of the community yeah. now, but not everyone in it. So, yeah, we had to get our relationship out. And then it was New Year's Eve and I decided to go into the rainforest with Sophie, my best friend, out of reception. And it was a big secret. Only my twin sister knew and my eldest sister. And... Kez obviously was DJing at that party. And anyway, I got into reception the next day and I just had all of these like congratulations alone. I was like, what do you mean? Like, we're not supposed to tell anyone. It's not time. Like, so it was a, it was a big thing. It was, I had a big fight with my twin and my big sister and was just like, how could you, you know, cause oh, they someone all, spilled the baby. Yeah. And then people were congratulating him and oh, he's like, oh shit. shit, like shit, shit. So we were like, we have to tell his mother really quickly cause we don't want it to come on the grapevine. Anyway, so we told her she, again, was just, like, super happy. Just, Aww. like, you know, my son has ended up with an, another Hare Krishna girl and all of that. So the pregnancy was pretty scary. I had a lot of big bleeds. One of them was really big. I was, like, on a walk and felt like I'd weed myself. I was like, oh, shit, and there was just blood everywhere. And yeah, Was like, there any explanation for that? Did you have, like, a... My pregnancy journey it took them till I was 33 weeks pregnant for them to fully see that I had major placenta previa. It was really weird. I had so many scans because I was in hospital so many times and I had all these scans and I was trying to be, you know, safe and make sure I was actually having a child before I got my hopes up. And it wasn't until I went to QUFW where they actually had the good machines and were like, yes, you've definitely got major placenta previa. So there's no way to have a natural birth. So I was really devastated to lose that, you know, eight years of trying to have a baby and losing that birth experience so I had to like you know let that go and then so I became this girl that was like obsessing with interviewing every single obstetrician that I could have possibly gotten they were just like this girl is 
you know, she's intense. I was like, I want to come birth. Have you heard about like, you know, birthing the baby in the placenta and all of this kind of thing in the amniotic sac, sorry. And I eventually like picked one of them and they were like, you know, you're a geriatric mom. I was 36 and they were like, you're. Hang on. They said you're a geriatric mom. I got, that word got thrown around heaps to me. I was just like, come on guys. 36 and called a geriatric mother. So from 35, you're considered geriatric. Hey, Hang on. But it's one thing to be considered an older mother, but I don't think anyone should ever have it said to them that yeah. they're a geriatric I mother. I thought a geriatric was literally someone who was like 80. Yeah, but you're but not in, having babies in, a, in terms of having a baby. So I Hang have on. a good sense so of humour. They're calling you a geriatric because... Geriatric obstetric patient. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying it's fine. I'm just saying that's what they say for women that are considered older, older. to be pregnant. Yeah. Oh my god. So over 35 you are considered a geriatric mother. That is really like no. really not fabulous. No, no, it's really rude, isn't it? I have a good sense of humor, so I was just like, that's funny and also fuck you. <laughs> um, Where's your perk? Like, do you get a disabled sticker or yeah, something? No, no. You just get seniors card. You know what you do? <laughs> what you do get is pushed in front of all the young mums. Oh, so, that's a, Yeah. Good. So you're old. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, you're high risk. So um <laughs> One of the doctor gives who I was like, okay, I want to have my baby with you. You seem to be the one that was more over. I started doing all this research. You know, Kez and I spent money on hypnobirthing and all of that to only then find out that yeah, you we, we couldn't birth naturally. Oh, guy, he was so, he's so young. He's really fun. I'm so proud of him right now. He's, he's, been so, in the he's deep such end, a good he? dad, but fucking hell, it was <laughs> I was like, I've got two kids. What the fuck? But the energy, you like oh. what you were saying at the start of this episode, he has the energy, he's right? So crazy. you are a geriatric, ger- <laughs> but he's got the energy, he so can, it doesn't fucking matter. He can bounce her for hours yes. on the ball. I'm like three done. minutes and my back is like, oh, God, one get me off. Yeah, exactly. And I am one and done just for the record. Yeah. Um, he's like, come really? on. Really? It's been such smooth sailing. Yeah. I'm not at all exhausted. You did actually say previously, like a few few minutes back when you were talking about Gerald, that there might be still some some hope. You did say so, that. What, with Gerald? Yeah, you did. She's with Kez. I know, but she said that. <laughs> no, she said, who knows what will happen no, in the future. No, when, when they broke up, they said that. Oh, God, we can't break up with Kez for her. <laughs> no, there's no, Gerald's okay. not a. So Gerald's done. Gerald's so done. At the time, it was a maybe one hey, day when you could this go, episode has gone all <laughs> over the place. I'm just trying to get my head around it, okay? It has. There's been a lot of stamps in the passport is all I'm going to (laughs) say. All I can say is I'm 36. I have done everything that I've ever wanted to do. I've traveled to every single country. I've had big love. I have, I had done everything. It was just the baby that was missing. And all I can tell you too, is that anytime I've tried to plan life, it hasn't gone to plan. And so I always say, who knows what will happen. And I've had a lot of life lessons and all of that kind of thing, but yeah, I have I have this child and she's the greatest thing ever. I'm just, you know. How was your birth? It was incredible. So I pushed, I was, you know, I pushed and pushed to get her to full term and they were like, no, you're a geriatric, you need to have her early. I had all of these hospital visits and overnight stays and they were like, why aren't you just taking the baby now? And I was like, I'm taking my baby to full term. This is my body. I had 
you know, I, I felt really empowered and I had had a really traumatic experience with my twin sister. She had, her second child was cesarean. She ended up in a psych ward six weeks after the baby. She, it was, it was wild. She had this like horrible full on, I watched the baby be born, you know, it was all dramatic. The baby was getting like hung upside down and tubes down its throat. And I was just like, you know, watching myself on the table as my twin. And then, you know, this baby was just traumatized and cried for four months. She had, my twin had retained placenta. She had six emergency visits. They kept sending her to home with some, you know, Panadol or whatever. And eventually they put her into surgery. And from that experience, she ended up in a psych ward because it was just wild. Like PTSD type. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so I had this I had this experience of like, that's what a cesarean does. And so for me to go through having to have a cesarean ahead of me, I was just like, oh my God, this is wild. So I, you know, Bianca was the one that talked me through everything and all of that. But I happened to go in to meet Dr. Lou White. I think her surname is Louise White, Lou White. I can't recommend her high enough. She's amazing. Mm. I had just looked at a video of a baby being born via cesarean in its amniotic sac and I was like you know look at this and she was like laughing at me like Sachi that's not a thing you're a geriatric (laughs) you're you're frail and old (laughs) she didn't call me geriatric she was just like you're this that's cute but that's not gonna happen (laughs) yeah and I was just like all right fair enough and Bianca was the one that allowed me to go to book in for full term. And I was like, great. I also really wanted a Leo baby, <laughs> you know, trying to control my <laughs> child's right, destiny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so I was, she was due on the 25th. On the morning of the 20th, I had a really big bleed. And this time it was serious. It was like, you know, fresh blood. And I was like, all right, it's, it's, it's on the, we're on the way. So I'm on the way to the hospital. My twin sister's with me. Kez is on the way too. And they meet me out in the car park and, Dr. Lou is on. She's just like, I'm, I'm yeah. delivering your baby. And you know, that were lovely. I went in, it was all wild happening, but I was really calm. I was like, I've done this so many times, you know, this run through and everyone was like, wow, you're so calm. And I was like, look, I want everyone to be calm. I want nice music, all of this, but they, they did my arms. They did the babies and they were like, you guys are both fine. And I was like, Oh, we feel fine. Can we please just wait till the 25th? And you know, Lou's like, no, Sachi, we're having the baby today. And so everyone visibly calmed down. They were like, okay, the mother's fine. We're we're just going to do this. So we went in and I had this little like playlist and I'd been, since I was pregnant, I'd started to like come back to the Hare Krishna religion. Anyway, right as Lou came over and she looked at me and she's like, we're going to have a baby now. And right as that came on, her little Hare Krishna song popped on the place. And I was like, whoa, this is beautiful. And anyway, they fucking birthed her in her amniotic sac. And it was amazing. It was just all the nurses, everyone, no no one had ever seen it before. And my twin sister was just like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. And for her to see this positive outcome was probably quite healing for her. Yeah, it was beautiful. And, yeah, they brought her around to me straight away and I I started hemorrhaging. They were like, okay, now now it's getting serious. And I was like, you, I was like out of it and just like, you leave that baby on me. And I was like, you know, shaking and vomiting and all that kind of thing. I was like, leave the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Leave the baby on me. Anyway, they had to, you know, do another surgery or whatever they did. And then, yeah, we went into recovery, got into the, into the hospital room. And at that time there was a lot of babies being born that day. So the hospital was full and. I was unfortunately put next to a woman whose husband or partner was like kind of borderline abusive. He was just like really, and you know, there's only a curtain between yeah, us. Yeah. 
And I was just listening to this or, you know, with this new baby on me and I was like, this is not the experience that I want to have. And then, so that was, I didn't sleep that night and they'd given me endone and I was not being able to, it was just a weird experience. And so they changed my drug and then I had a hallucination. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I need to get out of here. This is crazy. There's a guy next to me. Oh, he'd slept the night there, which is fully illegal. Like he was snoring. It was. Did you see abusive guy? Yeah, it was really weird. Like in the same room with me and my baby. Oh. Not even Kez could stay past 8 p.m. Yeah. And so I ended up like they had taken the catheter out. I, you know, could barely walk. I was like with my child. I like, went to the nurse's station was like, I have to go. Like this is crazy. And and they were like, you can't go. You, you've had major surgery. You can't. And I was like, I'm going. So I rang Kez, like, come and get us. It was like 3 a.m. And we went and got home. And anyway, it's been this beautiful experience. I think because of the journey that I've been on, I'm in a, you know, a gratitude bubble of bliss with my little child, Winona, we named her. We we're going to name her like a Hare Krishna name, but it just didn't fit. And then five days in, Kez was like, Winona. And I'm like, Winona, Winnie. And then had a dream. And I was like, that's her name. That's and, beautiful. And, but do you feel like there's ever times, like it's awesome that you're in a gratitude bubble, but do you feel like there's ever times that you feel guilty when you find it hard because you've wanted her for so long? Definitely. Yeah. I think, I mean, everyone has mother's guilt, don't they? I yeah. just like, you know, she, I ended up, that's right, I ended up having another bleed and went back into hospital, spent the night and had um, antibiotics and then she got really upset through my breast milk. Mm. She found her lungs and it was, and you know, it was a hard little time. And, you know, there we're only, how she's nearly four months. Yeah. We're only four months in. There are moments where it's just like, holy fuck, this is hard. Yeah. But in those moments where I just like start crying, I'm just like, Sachi, what else would you be doing? You'd yeah. be wanting this kid yeah. and nothing else would matter. She you might a, be still going on boring dates. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, like, where's where your mum in all this at the end? So mum, unfortunately, all my sisters had this giant fight with my mum when the day that we were doing this gender reveal that, uh, by the way, I didn't want to do, Kez was like, I want to do a gender reveal. I was like, that is not me. I'm not going to do that. And he ended up organising it. It was really cute. I'm glad we did it. But mum didn't come and I was like oh that's hectic my mum is you know a wild gypsy she's got like houses in she's born in the year of the rabbit so she's got lots of children lots of <laughs> lots of little burrows she's got she's got like a house in Cairns she sounds like, fucking phenomenal yeah, a house in Cairns one in Cooktown like overseas she lives most of the year in India like you know she rings me up mum in Greece I'm like what the fuck like I saw you a few days ago like she's wild so she didn't come and I was like oh that's devastating for me she didn't come to my blessing way either and I was like fucking hell anyway she rocked up a few days after I gave birth and was just like my solid two months she spent with me just flying in at like 11 p.m at night taking the baby all night just like bringing her in for a breastfeed oh. so I could sleep and then disappearing and when you really needed her, yeah she she's there, there. and yeah. then yeah she's in can, I don't know where she's right now, Cairns maybe. But <laughs> She'll yeah. fly in one yeah. night. She'll fly in. Right when you need her. Exactly. Yeah, she's full on. But, yeah, so she was incredible. So great for her. My, you know, my twin sister and my big sister wow. has been phenomenal. I have got, like, there was 40 women that turned up to my blessing way. I am so blessed. And because I'm one of the last women, I think I am the last woman in my entire 
community and friendship circle to have a baby I just have so much support and yeah. so much so many people understand understand yeah, yeah. and like hand me downs and oh it's, it's amazing yeah. so I'm really lucky and I've got the you know I'm from a, a an experienced side whereas Kez this is the first grandchild for his mother oh, but that's like you get the best of both worlds yeah. you get the like it's the first grandchild on that side so they're all super excited no novelties worn off yeah. and then you have all these friends that have already been through it so now they know the ways that like it's so what it's so say, good that you've got say. the youth yeah. and the geriatric yeah. together <laughs> because they know the things that are actually helpful yeah. they know the gifts that actually make a difference yeah. they know really what you're going through but then on the flip side you've the got the, this excitement yeah. yeah and lots of useless toys yeah <laughs> No, no, no. But we'll take them with the with the the bouncing stamina. Honestly, like having that's his side that are so excited for this baby and so excited for us. Like his mother had him when she was sixteen because she wanted to be young grandmother. So this is like her. Oh, so she probably feels like he waited too long. Yeah, Yeah. she's like, oh, twenty (laughs) five. Getting on a bit. She has been heckling the kids for such all of them to like. He's he's the eldest of four. Uh, you know, so he's got three others and he's just out there rocking the baby guys. Um, she's, she's so stoked. She's so happy. She's in India right now, but she's like, wherever you're going to be in the world for Christmas, I'm going to fly there. Oh, I am so happy for you. What a story. <laughs> Phenomenal. Thank you so much. This has been like really out of the box. It's just been so amazing. Thank you yeah. so much. You have really opened up. I about- would love to see you at a campfire and just literally sit and listen to stories like how lucky I don't think you're... we've even touched the surface no we haven't <laughs> but how lucky that your your child like your daughter has got so many stories to listen to and just yeah. what a journey oh I just thank you it's been a privilege yeah, to listen it to really you has. speak it's been an <laughs> honor thank you so much thanks I'm sorry for sorry <laughs> thank you <laughs> do not <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.